Dr. Richard Benjamin Vanicut. He helped Richard Bundy and made Manson look meek. What good is a million dollars when you're dead? You're already dead, Evelyn. Happy birthday, baby. The house is alive. We're all gonna die. Sure is a funky old house, ain't it? Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. I'm getting a hundred cups of coffee, starting now. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Coffee machine? One cup of coffee, please. What an excellent day for an exorcism. My name is Jerry, and I'm a tabletop gamer who loves horror movies. Unfortunately, I dislike anything that tastes like coffee. And I'm John, and I love horror movies, and I love coffee. And from the dilapidated asylum where he directs his ghost to vivisect the living. Our producer, Chris. Welcome to Coffee Flavored Horror, where we talk about the good, the bad, the horrifying, and the horrifyingly cheesy. Speaking of horrifyingly cheesy, let's get to the talking with Jerry and John. So this week we're going to talk about the 1999 movie, House on Haunted Hill. Hey, John, who is this directed by? We have William Malone from Beer.com. Parasamia, Masters of Horror, and Scared to Death. Hey, Jerry, who does this star? This stars Jeffrey Rush. Oh my God, already starting with a great actor. Mm -hmm. From Pirates of the Caribbean, Quills, and Mystery Men. (laughs) Just give him the apple, man. Give him the apple. (laughs) We have Tay Diggs from Equilibrium, which is already a great movie. Days of Wrath, and Slow Burn. Tay Diggs, also a great actor. We have Femke Jensen, who is in Goldeneye, Deep Rising, Hemlock Grove, The Faculty, and Lord of Illusions, which we reviewed a few episodes back, so take a listen. A few? More like 20. <laughs> it's 20 like a few. Five, it's like five months ago, man. Remember, it's one, a couple, and then anything else above that is a few. Okay, that's fair. Unless, you're, a few, unless you're an orc, in which case it's one, two, three, lots. Gotcha. I, I always think like a few is like, like, a like small, three like to three five, maybe ten, and then, then it comes like a bunch. <laughs> I think technically a few is three. So I think a few is a three. Yeah. So a, bun- a bunch of episodes back. It's fine. Anyway, who else is in this movie, John? Peter Gallagher from Sex Lives and Videotape. The Cabinet of Dr. Ramirez. Then we had Chris Catan, who was on Serenet Live, Night at the Roxbury, Monkey Bone, and Sharknado 5, Global Swarming. I didn't even know there was a fifth one. I didn't know there was a fourth one. I knew there was a second one. What the heck, man? Dude, I think there's six of them. The, the, the fourth one is in space. I know that one. Because I think the fourth one is the one that has, is that the one where Fabio was the Pope? And, I think uh, so. Carmen Electra is the Queen of England. I know the last one, they go back in time. Okay. Okay. That could be also. I just, I just know that I like the first two, which is Sharknado, Sharknado 2, the other one, and then Sharknado 3, ah, hell no. That's funny. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Who else is in this movie, John? We have Ellie Larder from Final Destination 1 and 2, Legally Blonde, Varsity Blues, and Resident Evil. Afterlife, Extinction, the final chapter, pick yeah. one. Fucking Resident Evil. There's <laughs> enough of them. And of course, we reviewed Final Destination 1 and 2 as our inaugural episodes on this yes, show. Yes, we did. We also have Bridget Wilson Sampras, who was in The Last Action Hero, Mortal Kombat, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and Sweet Evil. And of course, we have Jeff- Jeffrey Combs from The Frighteners, Star Trek. Everything. Everything. Yes. <laughs> and Reanimator, which is another tie-in we did. All right, let's talk about the box office real quick. So this was $43 million on a budget of $19 million, so it did okay. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It did a little bit better than it, than it needed to to get it potentially a sequel. Which, I don't think it got a sequel. Oh, it so did. No, did it? Yeah, yes, it did. Yes, oh, yes, it, it did. It is oh, a okay. sequel. Makes yes, no sense, did. but there's a sequel. Weird. It's not a great movie, but as far as sequels go, it's not horrible. Oh, I, well, all right. <laughs> I also have that on DVD, so we may end up reviewing that at some point. Sequels so. usually make more money than the originals. Oh, what do you see the sequel? Generally this how one. They go. Uh, I mean, that's not always true, but that's generally why you make a sequel, because you feel people will go watch it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's get into the premise of the movie, or the plot synopsis. 
Okay, we opened in 1931 at the Vanicut Psychiatric Institute for the Criminally Insane. Dr. Richard of Vanicut, played by Jeffrey Combs, is busy performing unnecessary surgery on one of his still conscious patients while his nurse films the debauchery. Jesus, I remember this. It was awful. He then discovers that the rest of the patients have escaped and are murdering the staff. That seems about right. Vanicut sets off failsafe measures as the patients invade the operating theater, causing the entire institution to lock down, sealing all inside that exists. As the patients begin to operate on Vanicut and his nurses, oh my god, this is, oh, I remember, it's bad. A fire begins in the hospital, killing everyone locked inside while one of the patients films the carnage with a black and white camera, which is fun. 1999. Evelyn Price, played by Famke Jansen, is in a loveless marriage to Stephen Price, played by Jeffrey Rush. Stephen is a narcissistic millionaire who makes thrill rides and illusions. He hosts the opening of his new attraction at an amusement park. Price plays several realistic pranks on some of the reporters at his park. During the production, Evelyn calls her husband and argues with him about her upcoming birthday, requesting a party at the Vanica Institute. She sends him a list of guests, which he shreds, inserting his own guests to make her party a failure. However, after he leaves his office, the computer starts on its own, and the names are replaced on the invitation list. It's pretty funny, actually, that he's such a dick, and then this happens to him. Like, you totally deserve this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Later, four black cars follow a hearse up the hill to the Institute. Each car holds a different passenger. Eddie Baker, played by Tay Diggs, is a retired pro baseball player. Sarah Wolf, played by Ellie Larder, is a woman claiming to be a production assistant. Melissa Marr, played by Bridget Wilson-Sampras, is an aspiring actress and video host. And Donald Blackburn, played by Peter Gallagher, is a medical doctor. The four have been invited to spend a night at the house as part of the birthday party, with a promise of a million-dollar payoff. They are met by the present owner of the Institute, Watson Pritchett, played by Chris Kattan. Pritchett nervously keeps hustling the guests along, leading them into the house and dropping vague hints about the house being evil. Once inside, everyone meets with Evelyn and Price, neither of whom recognize any of the guests. Price informs them that they're there for his wife's birthday, which will also be a murder mystery. Anyone who survives the night will split five million in cashier's checks. That's kind of nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Price hands out pistols to everyone, hinting that they might use them to kill each other or his wife. Then Price has his henchmen begin a series of dangerous illusions and pranks. Oh boy, here we go. But then the house locks down on its own, and Evelyn heads to her room for a rest. Watson begins freaking out, telling everyone that the darkness of the house is going to kill them. Meanwhile, everyone begins to search for a, new, a way out. Melissa Marr heads to the basement, looking for something to film so she can be famous. However, after entering a room full of preserved corpses on display, She's attacked by ghosts and slain. The others find a pool of her blood and a trail that leads into other rooms of the basement. While the others are searching for Melissa, Eddie and Sarah split off and Sarah confesses that she stole her boss's invite and isn't supposed to be there. Then they get separated, and Sarah is tricked by a ghost into following an illusion of Eddie into a vat of blood. But the real Eddie helps her get free. Price heads out to find his henchman, Schechter, played by Max Perlick, but discovers the man has had his face completely bitten off. My God! Like, it's missing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a giant hole. <laughs> but on the video screens, Price sees the ghost of Dr. Vanicut, but doesn't realize it's the image of a ghost. <sighs> the survivors find Evelyn in the electroshock room, bound to a table while convulsing. When she is declared dead by Dr. Blackburn, the others turn on Price and lock him in a device called the Saturation Chamber, where Dr. Vanicut put inmates to bombard them with swirling images. Melissa's body is discovered in a cabinet separate it into parts and put on display. Oh my god, I, I forgot how terrifying this, like, gross this movie is. Meanwhile, Sarah, Eddie, and Watson head out to find a way to escape, 
Blackburn turns the saturation chamber on as a way to torture Price. The millionaire begins to suffer hallucinations as the ghosts torment him and show him lots of murders and other chambers of death. Jesus. Okay. The others find a picture from the Institute and they realize that only a few of the staff survived the fire. Their surnames match the list of names of Price, Evelyn, Sarah, Eddie, and Melissa. Oh my God, the sins of the parents. The house must have changed the invite list to bring the descendants back to murder them. But Blackburn's name didn't match anything on the list. Meanwhile, Dr. Blackburn returns to wake up the unconscious Evelyn, revealing that the pair has been having an affair and plan to kill Price. Evelyn, however, realizes that she needs more incentive to get the others to kill Price, so she murders and mutilates Blackburn before letting Price free from the chamber. <sighs> uh, the others, they then find Blackburn's head at the saturation chamber, and when Sarah finds Price, she shoots him. The others find her and drag her to the main floor. Evelyn sneaks out of her hiding place and gloats over Price's body, but he was wearing a bulletproof vest and turns on her and begins to strangle her. In the struggle, she falls through a rotten wall and ends up in a room full of corpse dust. Then the spirit of the house forms from the walls, erupting as the mass of darkness, smoke, ghostly faces, and tendrils. The darkness grabs Evelyn, killing her and trapping her soul. Price runs, with good reason, catching up with the others and telling them to flee the from the darkness. Price heads to the attic to try to figure out how to open the locking mechanism in the house. In the chaos, Watson is killed by the darkness, but Sarah and Eddie evade the darkness several times before making it to the attic. Price gets the mechanism to open one of the shutters and Sarah escapes, but the darkness damages the machine so Eddie and Price remain trapped. Price dies trying to save Eddie, but Watson's ghost shows up briefly, opening the shutters, this allowing Eddie to escape into the daylight with Sarah before the shutters close again. In the chaos, the envelope from Price containing the $5 million checks gets stuck in the shutter. With the sun coming up in the darkness trapped in the building, Eddie and Sarah find the envelopes with the checks, but are now trapped several stories above the ground on the edge of a building on a cliff that seems like a bad situation to be in. They're alive and rich, but not really sure how they're going to get down. First of all, how are they going to get down? I have no idea. Do we, we find out in the sequel? We don't, nope. We don't find out. We just all get right. a creepy credit roll. Yeah, that's fair. All right, then we get a post-credit scene. Post-credit scene? Yep. We see the black and white video from the opening with the patients filming themselves vivisecting Vanicut in the nurse. Except this time, when they zoom in, the victims on the table are actually Price and Evelyn, forever trapped in the ghost world. Oh, it's so terrifying. So yeah. terrifying. All right, let's talk about some factoids that we want to bring up about this movie. Well, this is a remake from the original uh, House of Haunted Hill by William Castle. Mm, interesting. This was supposed to jumpstart the deck, Dark Castle films. For this, 13 Ghosts, they stopped after that, but their remake of the Vincent Price, uh, William Castle movie. No, they do House of Wax too. after this. That had nothing to do, that, that wasn't Dark Castle That films. wasn't Dark Castle? I don't believe so. Oh, wow. I thought it was. No, and that, 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 that abomination was a travesty. Opinions may uh, vary. The original <laughs> House of Wax is a masterpiece, and that movie is nothing like it. Okay, you can't say masterpiece, and then I'm trying to defend something with uh, whatever her name is. Paris Hilton. Hers, <laughs> Paris Hilton in it. I have, I have a special place in my heart for House of Wax, but we can't talk about that on mic. Okay. okay, then. Let's yeah. On. What's the next one? That singer, Lisa Loeb, and uh, James, Spike from Buffy and the Vampire. Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, Marsters, James Marsters. Singer Lisa Loeb and James from James Spike from Buffy and the Vampire are the reporters. Buffy the, the Vampire? Why do you call Buffy the Vampire? It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer or just Buffy. It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Yeah, but you, you say Buffy the Vampire both times. Oh. It's uh, like, from Buffy's Buffy. not a vampire. Buffy's the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> that that, that reminds me of the old MTV commercial with, with the one punk guy who's like, they're Michelle Geller's hosting. I don't know who this Buffy the Vampire is, but I love Slayer. <laughs> the singer Lisa Loeb and James Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer are the reporter and cameraman. 
Okay, there were a couple of deleted scenes for this movie. The first was that it starts out showing you Sarah's invite, where she's working for a movie, uh, and her boss is Debbie, is actress Debbie Mazur, who is just a complete horrible boss. Uh, Debbie's basically yelling at everybody, canceling stuff, and she cuts herself on the invitation from Price. The invitation was supposed really? to be going to her <clears throat> boss. Right. Um. And when she cuts her finger on it, Sarah laughs, and so her boss fires her. And Sarah picks up the invitation, sees that it's for a million dollars, and walks off with it. They filmed that scene twice. Once was an outside set outside the actual studio they were filming at, but it took so long to film that they ran out of light and they had to do some reshoots. So they shot it the next day out in a field somewhere with a different movie with the same plot. And her boss basically saying, you know, how are we going to make this movie if there's no tits for the kids to come see? And it's, it's pretty funny. Debbie Baser just chews up the scenery. And that's why Sarah's not supposed to be there. The invitation that the ghost sent was supposed to get her boss. And because her boss fired her, Sarah went in her place. So Sarah's really not supposed to be at that house at all. No, not at all. Uh, the next one is towards the end of the movie when the darkness is chasing um, Eddie and Sarah through the house. It's tearing up the floors and Eddie goes to jump up and he grabs onto a light fixture. And in the scene, Sarah jumps up and he holds her up above the floor and the floor gets eaten out from under them. And then Sarah falls through the floor and lands in a room with the pile of all of the bodies oh, that Vanicut really? kill, killed. Jesus. And they get all animated as zombies. Oh, that's fun. And chase them out and they grab onto her and she pulls her jacket off. That's why when they're running down the hallway, yeah. they turn the corner and she no longer has a jacket because they cut that scene from the movie. Weird edit cut. And the director thought that, that that didn't add anything to that scene. He said, we're already chasing people, everything. So we already had three or four beats. We didn't need one more beat with the zombies. The last scene was an epilogue that happens after the credits, which shows... Debbie Mazur's character, the boss from the beginning that got cut, mm -hmm. walking up to the house and she's like, and she's, and there's a real estate agent behind her and she's talking to a real estate agent. What am I going to do with this place? Look at this place. It's disgusting and all that. And she walks up to the house and you hear him say, it's a fixer upper, but I'm certain you'll, you'll find your, you'll find your home here and something along the lines of like, you want to, you're going to want to be here forever or something like that. And she opens the door, walks inside. And as soon as the door closes, she screams and the real estate agent turns around and it's Dr. Vanicut. Oh, oh, nice. That would have been good. Like but it. he cut that from the end of the movie because he thought that it made the, the end of the movie funny when the movie and the movie's not supposed to be funny. Also, they didn't have the scene with Debbie Mazur in there Correct. anyway. So, yep. well, that's actually the reason why they cut the Debbie Mazur scene yeah, out. Cause what's yep. the point of it at yep. that point? At yeah. that point. The zombie attack would have been good. All right. So those were the three deleted scenes for the movie. Jeffrey Rush based his look on director John Waters. Yep. Interesting. Oh, yeah. With a little pencil mustache. Yep. Yes. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I and, like the little pencil mustaches. And, and of course he ends up also looking a little bit like Vincent Price. He does. That was, that was not his intention. Oh, really? No. I thought that was supposed to be his Jeffrey intention. Jeffrey Rush just looks like Vincent Price. He does. He does. I mean, they have some similar figure cut going on there with the tall lengthiness and the long head and face and stuff yep. like he could be vincent price in a vincent price biop although it's, i assume jeffrey rush is still alive right yes he is yeah he could also be john waters in a john waters biop he, he, yeah, he could be that too actually vincent price could be a good friend of john, john waters, waters. <laughs> also true uh, <laughs> they say john waters is vincent price could very well be oh i mean it's vincent price john waters and jeffrey rush are just the same person exactly they just infinite lifespan mm -hmm. <laughs> who played the twisted nurse in the movie, the one with the weird smeared lipstick. Right. She was also Gozer the Gozerian in Ghostbusters. <laughs> really? Remember when Gozer shows up at the end as the kind of yeah. girl in like the skimpy leotard? That's the one who ended up playing the nurse in this movie. Oh. Those paying attention, that's our third Ghostbusters tie-in to another horror movie in our sequence here. Uh, if you listen to our episodes on Fright Night in the Blob, you'll hear some other tie-ins to the Ghostbusters franchise. I didn't want to stop you. I thought it was funny though. When you, when you said red smeared lipstick, you put your mouth in front of the microphone and it went like this. It was hilarious. It's fine. It sounds fine. All right. Let's move on to the good. One of the really good things about this movie, right in the beginning, you get this weird animated creepy opening. You got this weird like nails are coming out of the wall and you have this string going around them. And barbed then, wire? Yeah. Is it barbed wire? Looks kind of, well, barbed wire or your 
Jerry, uh, whatever his string, he's going around the, the wires and wrapping himself, and then there's like holes in the wall. You see like a, uh, like a bug fly out of those. It's kind of like stop motion a little, mm-hmm. but it's really great. It's, yep. It definitely sets the mood. And it's set to uh, Marilyn oh, yeah, Manson. Marilyn Sweet Dreams. Sweet yeah. Dreams, yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we're done now because I can't pay for that. No. Nope. I like that song. Okay, the next thing that's really good about this is this is another movie that uses architecture as horror. The house itself is very scary. The layout of the house, the way it looks, the colors, the looming 1930s um, kind of, not gothic, what do they call that? Art, art deco? That's no, not art deco. Anyway, the 1930s era uh, architecture. Right, yeah. Um, the bizarre way the rooms are laid out. And then you get down to the basement and you get the sanitarium. And anybody who knows anything about mental health back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. It's not the best. Art Deco is the, is the style. Thank you. Anybody who knows anything about the, the sanitariums in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, the things that they were doing to the patients there is just horrifying. Then you put that in the hands of Vanneket, who's deliberately experimenting on his patients and it just gets much worse. Oh, yeah, definitely. Another really good thing is the, when the ghosts move, they have this weird shaky, they, like, they, they shake their heads real fast and then they snaps and that, that, they're back to normal. They have this weird, uh, like, it's almost like when you have the old time cameras with the, the turn cranks, mm-hmm. when you're filming that, if you go too fast, the whole thing speeds up. Yes. That's what they look like when they're, they're walking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. They have that same effect in there. Yeah. It's same, it's, it's, and it's, uh, that effect's in that, this movie too. Yeah. I think that was the first time I saw that was in Jacob's Ladder. And this yeah. Was, I think so. And this was the first horror movie to use that a lot. I like that effect. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's cliche now, but back then when they did it here, it was kind of new. Yep. I wouldn't say, you know, I want to see Michael Myers walking around like that, but it'd be good. I mean, it might have went how made ends better. Anyway. Let's not um, talk about that. <laughs> the next was um, watching Melissa's death just off screen. When they find her video camera, <laughs> all they have on it is you see um, the cameras hit the floor. So you see her bloody arm coming out of frame, kind of twitching and moving. And then you hear six squelching sounds and she's screaming. You don't see what the ghosts are doing to her, but... You can hear what sounds like flesh tearing and all that, and her fingers clawing at the floor, and then her arm gets dragged off screen because all they find is a bloody mess. Oh no, yeah, they find a, a few thing of blood on the floor, and then the trail's going uh, to the wall, and they're like, "Oh, where's it going?" And then the trail goes up the wall, <laughs> across the ceiling, and then it is inside the house. This vanishes right at the end. Yeah, you never see what actually happens to her. I don't think you want to. Well, they do a good <laughs> job of using the audience's imagination. They do. Well, no, you do see what happens to her. Well, you see her cut up afterwards, yeah. but you don't actually see the ghost doing it yes. to her. And because they use the sounds, I think that that makes it even creepier because we're all guessing what's happening. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The last thing I liked is um, I like that the darkness is this bizarre, symmetrical, tentacled Lovecraftian horror. It almost kind of looks like, uh, what is the thing? Rorschach and Plectus. Yes. Yes. That or uh, one of those, um, oh my God, it's a tube, you hold it to the light, you turn it. Kaleidoscopes. Yes. It's, but it's all black. It was designed to be a Rorschach. That's, that's what oh, they based really? it on, yeah, because it's a mental oh, that, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense then. Okay. I never even thought about that. But uh, th- this movie has a lot of, re- lot of good uh, special effects, I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Well, we'll I mean, talk about that when we get to <laughs> the band. Okay, so it has some good special effects, but the, some of the CGI in this movie is really dated. It, they could have been good at the time. It, could, it is. You know what? And I still like how the CGI looks in this movie, because it's supposed to be a ghost. So it's not supposed to look real it's not supposed to look you know like it's you know a common thing right yeah i thought so, i think the only time the cgi is bad is when the ghost is trying to imitate somebody's face and they do that early that late 90s cgi of somebody's face thing mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. aside when, when it's supposed to look like somebody 
specific, like when Evelyn's face comes out. or when, Oh, at the end when uh, yeah. Vatican's face comes out, he's like, the doctor is in. Yes. That's a li- that's the only bad CGI in the movie as far as I'm concerned. I think the rest of it's really yeah, good. The rest of it, yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. good. All right. Well, if that's the only bad thing, then let's move on to the all right, I love Price's pranks in the amusement park. <laughs> uh, he brings the t- he brings the two reporters into an elevator, and they start to go up. And he tells them, "You know, we've had some some growing pains here." And the elevator shakes, and then you see the floor suddenly start the 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 grate on the floor starts to shake, and it turns out that they're standing on a video screen. And so, what looks like the thing is falling isn't there. And then they get up onto the um, actual roller coaster, and it's a twin coaster, so the coaster in front of them is racing along. And all of a sudden, you see that the uh, the rails snap and the first coaster goes flying off and everybody dies, except it's obviously an illusion. It's, it's a video illusion. And right. then the, the two rails come back down again. You ride across them. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's both cheap. That's cheesy. Also it's cheesy, but that would be one hell of a roller coaster. Yeah. However, oh. in real life, you would never, ever have a roller coaster where the, even as a prank where the rails came up and then came <laughs> down again. <laughs> uh, that makes me think of, of the emo Phillips line, which he says, I think that any amusement ride can be made much more exciting and dangerous by just going over early. And tossing a bunch of nuts and bolts on the ground around the, the amusement park. <laughs> that's true. <would> hilarious. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. Well, if that's the only cheesy thing, let's move on to. The horrific. Oh, it's one of the most horrific things in this movie is right in the beginning, you just had this, I don't know, like no name uh, receptionist mm-hmm. you know, taking notes, but he has, you know, he's sharpening these pencils and all the inmates start breaking out and he looks up. He's like, oh, there's obviously some inmates staring at him. He looks back down and he kind of, he turns his head. And uh, that all the inmates are behind him and they break through the glass and they just grab not just one, like John Wick would need just one, right? No, these guys grab a handful of pencils and just drive it in through his, uh, the side of his neck and out the other side. Jesus. And you just see like all the pencil heads go, and out the other side is this oozing blood. It's great. There's also the opening vivisection scene where you actually watch Dr. Vanicut cutting open one of the patients. The patient is still alive and struggling. They've got him strapped down. He's shaking his head, no, 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 no. And Dr. Vanicut's narrating while the nurse is recording and he's cutting open the patient's stomach while the patient is still yeah. alive are still awake not under any sort of anesthetic and then he looks up and sees that the operating theater is surrounded by the inmate yeah. that's that, that thing is absolutely horrific that's like unit 571 stuff going on it's god awful the next thing is that while melissa mar is walking around with her video camera she's videotaping the rooms and when she holds the video camera up she can see some of the ghosts and she looks into the empty operating theater and holds the camera up and now she's watching them vivisect somebody and she puts it down and can't see them, puts it up again. And when she puts it up the second time, they all stop and turn and look at her on the camera. <laughs> it's a <laughs> really she, good scene. She drops the camera down and she can't see them anymore, but they're there. And it just, it's another good effect. It's setting up the creepiness of the house. Another really good thing is uh, when uh, Price finds Schuchter and you just see, he, uh, he turns him around and like his entire face, like just his face is like cut out and just removed. This is an empty bloody hole at the end. It's not just peeled off. It's like somebody took a bite out of his head. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's like it's literally removed. It's a, it's a giant C is for cookie kind of thing going on. <laughs> C is for oh, cookie. cookie. It's good, good enough for me. me. A giant face with a bite taken out of it. That looks like a C. Looks like a C. We solved the case. Yeah. The culprit is cookie monster. The next one is the electroshock scene. Um, especially if you like just knowing in general what happened in mental institutions back then when they've Evelyn's down there and she's strapped to the machine and she's got the pads inside of her head and she's bouncing around they're trying to figure out how to shut off the electricity and they can't figure out which one does it that whole scene is just scary i mean it, it's it's something that actually happens to people and so that's what makes it much more terrifying another thing is when uh, price is in the saturation chamber he starts having all these weird hallucinations and he's seeing what vatica did to all these other other patients and stuff and uh next thing you know he's like underwater 
and he sees this person. You know, she she stretches out, turns around, and blood comes out of her mouth. And he's, he's this thing is like swimming towards him. And then it's like a I don't know. It had no face, but like these giant like eel like teeth and everything. It's like screams under the water, and he kind of like wakes up out of his hallucination. But everything they they see in that scene is just absolutely horrific. I'm fairly certain that was just like we have a bunch of cool ideas to put this movie. <laughs> Let's just dump do them this. all here. <laughs> Mars are well, yeah. right? I got a question for you, Jerry. Why would Price give people guns with real bullets in them? He didn't. And that's part of the fun of it, is that he gives them all guns. And at one point, um, Evelyn pulls the gun out and he's like, come on, Evelyn, you know, I would never give, it, give you anybody here a gun with actual bullets in it. And she pulls the trigger and shoots something. And he's like, oh shit. And you see him get the look on his face. That's the first, that's actually the first point when everybody, when he realizes that everything he set up is falling apart. Oh. The people he invited aren't supposed to I be there. That the place gets locked down. The, she pulls the gun and she pulls the trigger and it fires a real bullet and he realizes this is not what he's supposed to be nope. happening. But they build it slowly and when that happens, that's the first real revelation of horror for everybody else there. Like they think that maybe the 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 place closing down is a big is a is a is a, a mistake. Mistake. Um, though I do love the very end of the movie when it's just Price, Eddie, and Sarah left and Eddie and Price is upstairs trying to figure out how to start the machine back up again and to open the doors up and he can't get this, to, he can't turn this wheel, whatever. And he gets mad and he throws something over his shoulder. He hits a lever and that lever makes everything start up. He's like, well, there's a degree in engineering for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Let's move on over to John's Body Count Corner. Well, here today on John's Body Count Corner, we have eh, maybe six plus people in this movie. Uh, you, you did watch a few people uh, get killed in the beginning. I think it's about 16 altogether. I feel like even though they were a bunch of people that died at the beginning of the movie, there's enough consistent deaths throughout the film that it's that we can count those early deaths. Yes, we can. But I mean, are you really going to count the people being burned to death? No, no. But I will count the person who got stabbed through the neck with pencils and the person that got vivisected. Yeah, you see, you he see, asked for it. You see, at least four people in the beginning actually get killed on screen. Yeah, that's true. And then you get the <clears> six <throat> the six named characters later on in the movie who all get wiped out. So this is a good, a good yeah, sizable ten yeah. plus. Ten plus. Hmm. I agree. I think it's solid. A respectable one. Oh, it's a great. Yeah. All right. So, Jerry, are you watching this again or are you drinking some horror flavored coffee? Um, we I watched this on the DVD that I own of this movie. <laughs> of course you uh, do. Which is where I got all the deleted scenes and everything from. So, yes, I would I would drink a little bit of coffee to watch this movie again. This is another one I drag out every three or four years and watch. Often back to back with 13 Ghosts. Nice. John, uh, how many cups of coffee would you skip to watch this movie again? Oh, well, first of all, I forgot how much I actually like this movie. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it's right up your alley. Both of your alleys, really. I, I would, you know what? I'm giving up with the coffee. I, I would definitely rewatch this movie again. Just 10 cups, just, gone. Just, just gone like that. There you go. All right, before we get out of here, I would like to uh, throw out some thank yous to a few places that we like to post our podcast to. Uh, Jerry, you want to tell about the first one? On Facebook, we have a Candyland Night Terrors. Uh, there's also the Horror Hoodlums. And we also have Haunting in the Unknown. If you ever wanted to talk to us, it's a great place to do it. Yep. Go to those groups. We'll chat. We're, we're there actually pretty often. All right, well, we will catch you all next week for some more coffee-flavored horror.